I'm guessing all of you have experienced uh, what I did when I was standing at my mailbox. I reached in, grabbed all of the letters, everything that's in there, all the envelopes, and immediately what did I recognize? Great. Small rectangle envelope. You flip it over and you see uh, that it is computerized. My name has been computerized and printed out and immediately I know this is a bill. I got to tell you, for me, maybe this isn't for you, but there's nothing more discouraging than going to the mailbox and finding a bill in there. It's the absolute worst thing. Your heart just sinks and great, more money gone. But then, I noticed that there was an envelope that was unlike all the others. This one was square. And on the back, where the, where the envelope was pressed down with the stickiness, there was a sticker that closed it. And then I flipped it over, and I noticed that my name and Anne's name was written in pen, handwritten. This wasn't from some computer. This was from somebody. And so I opened it up. And you know what it was? A wedding invitation. Anne and I had been invited to a wedding, and at, at the very top, what did it say? Your presence is requested by so-and-so for, to celebrate their wedding. There's only one more thing that I needed to know. What day and time the wedding was. Because if I didn't know that, I'd miss it. Did you know that the Bible talks about heaven as a wedding banquet? Eternal life, salvation as a wedding banquet. That's what God says. As the church, the Christian church at large, marries Jesus, so to speak. It's that love, that celebration, that wedding celebration that heaven is going to be like. And God has invited all of us. And so my question to you is what day and time does God's banquet start? And this is important. Because if we don't know, we're likely to miss it. This is what Jesus addresses today in his story, his parable that he tells in Luke chapter 14. Jesus actually tells this parable as he's sitting around a dinner table uh, at a Pharisee's house. Uh, they invited him over for dinner. It wasn't a great honor to be at the Pharisee's house because the Pharisees had Jesus over in order to trap him. They were testing him. They were watching him. Uh, they wanted to see Jesus stumble so that they could point and say, Gotcha. Jesus didn't back down. He goes to the party, and he's sitting around eating, and he's teaching. And at, uh, earlier in Luke chapter 14, right before our section, Jesus says, when you throw a dinner party, don't invite your friends and family that, can, that are, are rich and have money that can repay you. In other words, don't invite those that are going to invite you to their party. Instead, Jesus said, go out and find the blind, the crippled, the lame. Those in the first century society that couldn't work, they didn't have money, go and find them and invite them into the party and feed them. Jesus had just finished saying this. And a Pharisee at the table starts talking. 
Here's what we're told. We're in Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. You can follow along in the notes section. If you want to get out your own Bible, take notes in. If you want to pull out your phone and get your Bible app up, Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. Here's what Jesus says. Or, no, I'm sorry, here's what the Pharisees said. One of those at the table with him heard this, and he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I don't think any of us would uh, disagree with them, right? Blessed is the one who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. When we get to heaven and we get to eat and feast with God, that's going to be amazing. Of course that person would be blessed. Especially in the Jewish minds, Jewish thinking. For a first century Jewish person, eating together wasn't, it wasn't like today. Today we kind of think it's no big deal. But for them, it was intimate, personal. Think of Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner where all the technology's off, no distractions, you sit, you eat, and you talk. That's what eating was like in the first century. And when the Jewish person thought of heaven, they think of a feast with God, they think of that intimate sitting down with God around the dinner table, eating, talking, it's intimate. Communion with God. And so, of course, as we think of heaven, blessed is the one who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And, of course, Jesus tells a story to wake us up. He gets us out of what we think is reality and wakes us up to the real reality. Here's his story. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the story is all about this rich guy who, who throws, I shouldn't say a rich guy, a certain man who throws a banquet, and he prepares the banquet, he sends out the invitations, and he starts getting to work. Everything is prepared, the food is ready, the tables are set, he sends a servant out, go tell everyone invited, we're ready to go. And one by one, the servant is met with excuses. The first one says, I just bought a field. I need to go see it. He claims necessity. It's necessity that I miss the banquet because I have to go see my field. Kind of a poor excuse, right? The field's going to be there after the banquet. The field's going to be there tomorrow, the next day. But he needed to go see it right now. Please excuse me. The second guy claimed inconvenience. He said, I'd love to come, but I'm on my way to go try out my oxen. I just bought them. I got to make sure they work. He was on his way to do something else. It was inconvenient for him to go to the banquet at this very moment. He's basically going to try out his new tractor, his new tool that he just bought. And the third guy, he wasn't even polite about it. He said, look, I just got married. 
No thanks. He rather tastes the pleasures of marriage than go to this guy's banquet. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And so the servant goes back. Here's what we're told. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there still is room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Servant comes back, reports it, and what's the master do? He sends him out to invite others. Go invite others and bring them in. My banquet will be filled. People will eat and feast what I prepared. Go and get them. And the ones that we invited who turned us down, they're not coming in. So what does Jesus want us to learn from this? I've got two points for you this morning. Number one, remember that this is uh, in response to the Pharisees sitting at the table who said, blessed is the one who feasts in the kingdom of God. So Jesus' first point is blessed is the one who feasts at God's banquet now. Blessed is the one who feasts at God's banquet now. Jesus is sitting talking with the Pharisee. Blessed is he who's going to eat in heaven. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Everything's prepared. The invitations are going out right now. Come, feast. God has prepared this banquet. Since the beginning of creation, God has worked to make sure that the time was right to send Jesus. Everything was prepared. He sent Jesus, and Jesus prepared all things for us as he kept God's law perfectly. And then through his death on the cross, he waived your cover charge. When he rose from the dead, the fee of death had been canceled. God's banquet of salvation is free. And we've been invited to come and feast at the banquet. Not in heaven, not just in heaven, but now. Salvation is here. The banquet is here. It's ready. But where? It's found in God's Word. Found in God's Word. We feast on God's salvation as we open our Bibles and read it. We feast on God's salvation as we come to church and we hear God's word with fellow Christians. We feast on uh, on God's salvation as we come and receive the Lord's Supper. It's God's word that contains the banquet of salvation. That's where we find it. It's God's word. Because what do we see in the scriptures? Peace, forgiveness, communion with God, and an intimate relationship with God is had through the Word. God's Word invites you to come 
and enjoy the banquet of salvation right now. Jesus says this exact same thing earlier in his life, actually, in John chapter, John chapter 5. He says it a little differently, but here's what he says. Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Notice the present tense that Jesus uses. Those who hear my words and believe him who sent me has eternal life. The banquet of salvation has eternal life. When you hear God's word and you trust Jesus as your Savior, you have eternal life now. You get to participate in eternal life now. And that's what Jesus' story is trying to get us to realize. The invitation is out. Salvation has been prepared. It's ours. It's ours for the taking. We get to come and feast with God now as we gather around his word. And our souls feed on it. And yet, how many of us have excuses? There's a song by Kenny Chesney, country music singer. Kenny Chesney, who uh, sang a song called, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But Nobody Wants to Go Right Now. We envision ourselves sitting at the banquet of heaven. We envision ourselves sitting with God, being in heaven, enjoying it. But we want that to be later, after we have filled our stomachs with what this world has to offer. If it's between uh, heaven and salvation as the main course right now, or what this world has to offer, we're more than willing to fill up on what this world has to offer. And we make excuses as to why we can't come and enjoy the banquet right now. We have excuses of necessity. Well, I work. And I got kids' school. Now I got kids' virtual school. Then I've got meetings, then I've got kids' activities, then I've got this, I've got to make dinner. By the end of the day, I'm just too exhausted and I need to do those things so I can't come right now. We make excuses of necessity by saying, well, it's just the stage of life I'm in. I need to do those things. I don't need to sit down and read the Word. We have... Excuses uh, of uh, inconvenience. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, 9.30 is just too early, Pastor. You know what I've also heard? 9.30 is just too late. Getting out at 10.30 is just too late. My morning's over. I've heard it's inconvenient to sit down and read the Word when I've got all these other things going on. I've heard Jesus as the only way to salvation is very inconvenient, and so I rather not. Please excuse me. We use excuses of just blunt, I don't want to. Excuse me. I've heard, Pastor, I'm just not a reader. 
can't sit down and read God's word. We rather gorge ourselves with politics. We rather get fat on our novels and movies and TV shows instead of opening God's word and feasting on salvation, feasting on the peace and forgiveness that God has prepared for you and me. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now. We make all these excuses as to why we can't go and feast on God, but do you know what each excuse really has in common? We have a higher opinion of ourselves than the head of the banquet. Think about this. The God of this world has invited you to partake and feast on salvation. And we say, I've got other things going on. We want to feast at the banquet of salvation, but we want it as a leftover, not as the main course. We rather gorge ourselves on other things. And how do you, make, how do you think that makes God feel as the master of this banquet who has put all this preparation into, this, into salvation? Not good. How did the master feel in the story? He told his servant, that's it. Go and find other people. Go and find other people. Bring them in. Their invitation is now revoked. God wants his banquet of salvation to be feasted on. And he's going to invite and invite and invite. And really, that's the amazing part of this story. If you hosted a banquet and you invited people and they had excuses as to why they couldn't come, I think we'd just shut the party down, right? We'd shut the party down and be all disappointed. Not God. God says, fine. I'm going to go and invite more. I'm going to go and invite and invite and invite. My banquet will be filled. And the invitation goes out. He wants everyone to know that salvation is prepared for them. He wants everyone to come and to feast on his banquet, to know peace, to know forgiveness, to have an intimate relationship with him. And he will invite and invite and invite so that his banquet is filled. Really, we see the heart of God for sinners. He wants to be with sinners like you and me, and he has prepared it all. There's no cover charge. It's free because of Jesus. And he's invited you and all people. He says, come, all things are now prepared. You see, the one that's blessed is not just the one who feasts in God's kingdom. In fact, if you wait to feast on God's, at God's table till heaven, you're going to miss out. You've missed the time. You missed the start date. It's over by then. The time is now. Salvation is prepared. The banquet is laid out before us, and God says, Come, all things are now ready. It's here. And do you know what else is? Another invitation. You see, God's grace has not run out for you and me because here, once again, sitting in front of us, 
is God's invitation to come and feast. To come and feast. Come. Feast on the peace of God, knowing your sins are forgiven. Come. Feast on the forgiveness of sins and know a life of no guilt and shame. Come and have an intimate relationship with God, one that you probably don't think that you can have, but you, you have through Jesus. Come, enjoy the hope and the peace of knowing that death has been conquered. All of this is a buffet that God has prepared for you in his word. Come and enjoy it. The invitation is laying right before you. And so here's the point I want to leave you with today. Number two, feast on God's word today. Dine with God forever. Think of the amazing privilege, the amazing honor it is that here today, the God of this world has signed your name to an invitation, personally inviting you to come and feast on his salvation that he has prepared from the creation of the world. He wants you to come, feast on the forgiveness of sins, the peace of knowing that you are at peace with him. And so come, feast on God's word. Just like you plan out your day as to when you're going to eat, Maybe. You know you're going to eat. You're not going to not eat physically. Plan in your day a time to feast on God's word. Let your soul feast on the forgiveness of sins, the salvation that's been won for you. Because it's here. It's ready. God says to you today, come, all things are prepared. Enjoy the taste of forgiveness. God be with you as you make his word a priority this week. You feed on it and your soul is strengthened by it. Enjoy the eternal life that God has given you today because when you feast on God's word today, you will dine with God forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have prepared the banquet of salvation, that you have put all things in place. Jesus has fulfilled the law. He has died for our sins. He's risen from the dead, all things are now prepared and you've laid this buffet out in front of us. We ask that as we head into another week, let us feed on your word. Let us gorge ourselves with your word. Let us become fat with your word. And let us chew on your word. Because as we do, we will dine with you not just today, but forever. We thank you for the personal invitation. Uh, to come to your feast. And we ask that uh, as we go forward, let us not make excuses as to why we can't. Let us make a priority to eat with you, spend time with you and commune with you because, man, it's a privilege. And we can't believe that you, the God of this world, has invi have invited us. Thank you for your love, all the preparation you've put into it, and for the invitation. We ask uh, your blessings on our country as we are a, a very divided nation right now. Uh, with everything going on, watch over everyone, keep them safe, bless them, and bring unity. Uh, let there be reform where there needs to be reform, uh, and let there be love from all people, 
Be with us and not just have us look out there saying, yeah, they need love, but no, start with us. Let us be the examples of what Christ's love looks like. As you send us out, let us be the hands and feet of Jesus today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. It's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.